Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, and just to clarify for people, um, that would be selfies where Mark and Greg know that they are in the selfie. Please don't do... A selfie of yourself with them in the background as a candid. They're like scarfing down breakfast burritos or something. Hey, no, we're, we're, we're not proud. We'll take any selfie you want to send us. <laughs> Tim's not picky with what he posts on the Facebook page. So yeah, if you're in the stall, you know, at the urinal. So hey everybody, welcome to episode 197 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitra and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hello. And also have Jaime Lopez Jr. in the Northwest, did we decide? Um, Cattle, Washington. How's it going? And we have a special treat. We have Greg Hio also down in San Francisco, California. Hello. And he's here for our special secret WWDC prognostication crystal ball stuff later on in the show. So um, before we dig in, do we have any Ask MTJC, Jaime? We do. We have a... Uh, well, one that's sort of related to a fact check. Maybe you should read the fact check, and then we'll read the Ask MTJC. Oh, this is this is the one from that Tim Mitra guy or the MTJC guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, we were talking last week about. I, I mentioned that I was under the impression that the original uh, command key symbol, which looks like a quadruple infinity symbol or something like that, um, is was originally derived from a, cla- a castle as seen from above, like square square box with four turrets. And um, in the video that was attached to the the article we had last week, which I did watch. Um, uh, even though the author of the, said it was purely coincidental, she, coincidental, Susan Kerr did say that she had found this, the uh, original um, symbol in a, sim, a book of symbols, which turned out to be a Swedish symbol to represent a point of interest, and it was actually derived from a castle. So in, in my tweet here, you'll see if you go look on Twitter, um, there are uh, there is the, the slide of that she posted of uh, the original symbol that she used uh, for point of interest, and then she uh, another slide was um, a like a, I guess a direction sign to a campground or something like that in Sweden that she found which used the same symbol and then of course a castle which you know uh, looks exactly like the symbol from above as well so when the comment in the article about Steve Jobs saying you guys are using apples way too much was um, 
uh, it was a basically uh, not in reference to this particular use of, of Apple on the Apple key. Because my second question, which I guess I'm kind of skipping ahead to, is that why, how did when did the Apple key disappear from the command key, which we now now call it right? And uh, but the, he was talking about the menus because in the in the original menu they had key short keyboard shortcuts and and they represented them by the Apple key in a letter like you know X V C for you know cut copy and paste, um, not necessarily in that order. But uh, uh, so he com- he was complaining, so they took the Apple key off, and that's when she came up with this you know double infinity square point of interest uh, icon that she, that we all know and love on our, our command keys today. So that was that. And what was in the in the actual tweet there? We have one from Weihan says, uh, at Tim Minter, at Div of the Hair, in the Layers 2015 video, Susan Kerr did say she was told by someone that the uh, command symbol actually was the representation of a castle scene from above. Not a coincidence that it looked like a castle. And he linked right, to right. the um, Susan Kerr, John Gruber, Layers 2015 conference talk. Right. And I, and I didn't add my um, my um, uh, tweet that I posted for you where I went and actually got all of my keyboards and went through them all and laid them on the, gra- on the floor here behind me and took a picture of them to show when the, the Apple key actually the the original key command key on the original keyboard did, does not have an Apple on it. It just has the infinity symbol, you know, the small key in the center of the of the image. And all the other keys do up until the keyboard that I have attached to my my monitor right now, which was built in 2007. I haven't dug through my my laptops, but I figure it's probably around the same time that they they removed the Apple key. So 2007 is is our. And actually, I found a link on on the Wikipedia that backed that up as well. Thanks, my hand, for your contribution and defense of my uh, my comments so oh so greg i'm just reading your ask mtjc here that you posted saying that you mix up the order when and, and say mark's name first do you do that that's right check the tape i said <laughs> hashtag check the tape oh. i didn't actually go back and look but i know i have mixed up the order um the handful of times where i've taken over the show right well there you go so uh, we'll get some uh, huh. overcast links or fireside links i've discovered you can link directly to a point in time as well so i'll get some i'll dig up some links sure yeah yep yep uh, okay cool all right so following up uh, on last week's show, we, um, Aaron Douglas, a friend of the show, guy, uh, lead developer over at um, uh, WordPress, I believe, lead iOS developer or lead developer, I'm not sure. Um, what He's iOS anyway, but he um, speaker at you know various conferences, you'll see him around, 360 iDev and that kind of stuff, and he's Astral Bodies on Twitter. Um, he was a fan of the story of, of uh, Clifford Stoll as well, and because uh, he saw a, uh, he reminded me as well of a, a special that was on Nova, where they had dramatized the uh, the story and called it the KGB, the computer and me. And it's uh, the video linked here in the show notes um, goes through this uh, hour long special of, of uh, Clifford Stoll uh, discovering or going through the whole process. And, and actually the book, in my opinion, is better than I've, I've watched, but I've seen this before. And uh, the, uh, the book is actually much better uh, at that too. So, and actually just another sort of side note on Clifford Stoll, somebody sent me a link um, in, on Twitter. Apparently he sells, what are those kind of bottles called now? Um, Klein bottles? Special kind of bottle where the... the huh? Klein bottles? Klein bottles, yeah, where the, where the neck loops around, and I'm not sure it's used for something in, in uh, chemistry, and apparently he's, you know, making a gangbuster business of this, right? But the most most fascinating thing about it is in his he has a, a sort of storage in his crawl space, and he's built himself a robot with a camera on the front, and he and he goes and fetches boxes that he has stored, like like a little mini homemade Amazon kind of warehouse, right? And, go, and that's part of the video that he, that he talks about, where he goes and gets, fetches 
these Klein bottles and hmm. sells them on the internet. Who knew, right? I don't so. think you can actually make a Klein bottle, though. I'll put a link in the show notes for people uh, no, no, driving at home. I, 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 know, I know what he's making, but if you click on it, it's like technically not a Klein bottle. It's just... If so you look what at is it, a Klein see. bottle, then? It's like a bottle that's like... Uh, just click on the Wikipedia link and you'll see. It's a three-dimensional weird yeah. shape. Isn't this what yeah, they I tried to use look. on Star Trek The Next Generation to confuse the Borg and, and get them to shut down themselves? They were going to use Hugh <laughs> to give this unsolvable <laughs> analytical problem and shut down the Borg? That I don't know. Maybe. Oh, I see. Maybe. I see. Yeah. So so the bottom is open and it goes to this goosenecky thing and then it's like a, the contents there? Is it's that like the a three-dimensional version of the uh, Mobius strip, you know, because if you pour something in there, it goes in the tube, but then the tube leads yeah. inside the bottle again. So it's kind of weird. Actually, maybe you can make one. I don't know. I don't think you can actually make one of these, though. Well, let, now let's let's go let's go to the tapes, as you say. I'm just going to scroll back through my Twitter here, find that link that uh, Aaron sent me. Well, I guess there is one here. I wonder if that's actually technically correct. I don't know. I think uh, Alexis Gallagher at my work actually has one on this desk. Um, I know you can make something that looks uh-huh. like it. I don't know if and it's, it's like not a real technically correct. Well, you know, because it's one. Of the, isn't it one of these like impossible shapes? I don't know actually. I thought it was one of those impossible shapes that you couldn't actually make. Yeah. So here he's got uh, somebody replied to my tweet. I'll, I'll find it. I'll put, put it in link in link in the show notes, or maybe I'll find it during the rest of the show. But yeah, somebody somebody had sent me a link of Clifford Stoll makes Klein bottles with with a partner friend of his hmm. in the physics department. Who knew? Who knew? Enough about that. Um, Romeo, what have you got here for next follow up? Yeah, last week I said, hey, sure it'd be nice if there was a keyboard shortcut to trigger the find call hierarchy sort of functionality. So if you're you know, looking at a method that you've written, you're like, hmm, I wonder how many different places this is written, and and you can use graphical pieces, and we described that on the show. I said, mm, it should be better to have a keyboard shortcut, because I do this all the time. I went to the interwebs and, and found a keyboard shortcut. If you do command control shift H while your cursor is uh, in a method, then it will find it for you, which is great and swell. What does it do if it can't find it? It just goes burp, makes a little burp, makes a little burp okay. sound. A little Whatever that, I have to look up what actual sound that is, but you know which one I'm talking about. If you use a Mac, do something wrong. Isn't that frog or something? Yeah, the beep. Well, it depends on your personal preferences, I think, right? Uh, that's true, yeah. But the one that Jaime has yeah. just uh, simulated for us, I think it's basso, actually. That's the one, not frog. Right. Here, I'll play and my next piece was, I, was I, think it, I think this was related to the Susan Care talk as well. She showed some a sheet of letter set, which I actually found in my garage a couple of weeks ago when I was going through looking for something else. Um, and I, I, reminded, I was reminded when she talked about designing the Chicago typeface that when I first started before I got my first computer, I'd learned, I was working in a place doing flags and banners and we would draw up logos that were like, you know, 30 or 40 inches tall. And we'd often have to do typefaces that were four inches or, or so tall. And there was no letter set. There was no way of doing that. So I was taught to draw typefaces with proper M's and, you know, serifs and all that kind of stuff, M-wits and, and different things like that. And um, so when we, and we translated that over when we got Illustrator um, for, on the Mac, we translated that skill over and, and drew typefaces in on Illustrator. That was long before there was an app that came out later on called Fontographer, where you could actually turn them into actual typefaces, right? And uh, back at that time, um, companies like Letroset would sell uh, font faces at like $40 a piece. So you'd pay for Helvetica, regular, you'd pay $40. For Helvetica Bold, you'd pay another $40. And it was like, you know, a license to print money. And um, I think eventually, like like the record industry, the the, the bootleg type people finally, finally uh, defeated that market. Right, so because font licensing is font licensing is pretty crazy, actually. I remember now last week you guys were talking about some company designed their own font, like Netflix has their own font, and how Agile Bits for One Password, yeah. Once you get right, One Password, once you 
get big enough, you guys, um, you guys were talking about how you sort of have to get your own font to control your own uh, typeface destiny. Yeah, I've talked a few times. If you look at my blog posts from like the early 2000s, because um, back when I was in pre- still in pre-press, a lot of people took liberties with software licensing, whether it was like Adobe or Photoshop or Illustrator or Quark or whatever. But also fonts was pretty pretty bad, pretty popular for people to sort of like turn their turn their eye turn their head away from the legalities, and, and they were sharing fonts. You know, where they would send them to the printer to get them output on a image setter and that kind of stuff. And, and in a lot of cases, that was actually against the rules. And some foundries have set up their font licensing so that like you could use the font in a print, but you couldn't use it on the web or you couldn't use it on a CD-ROM. Because remember back in the day when multimedia wasn't just gluing macaroni onto a can, um, it was a thing, it was a movement called Mac multimedia where you had like, you know, Flash and um, Macromind Director inter- interactive stuff. Do you remember those days? Anybody? No? Yeah, yeah. Back in the days were- when uh, Encarta 97 would say proudly on the CD yeah. that it was a multimedia CD. Right, right. Yeah. And there were actually, there were, it just reminded me that uh, I think I have a couple of Peter Gabriel albums with multimedia content on them, which doesn't play on a Mac anymore because it was written for classic Mac. But um, yeah, so so font licensing was a challenge. And, you know, and it, it's just interesting that like, yeah, I think even when I was doing some eBooks a while ago, I did some eBooks when that first sort of came along and had to be careful about what font you use because some, again, some fonts wouldn't let you, you could license it for print, but you couldn't use that same font for uh, for uses on the web or, you know, in, in cases like that. So including apps, right? So you should, if you're using a custom font in your app, you might want to consider that as well. So, so and again, that's why it would, it wouldn't take too much for someone like, uh, like uh, one password to write their own font, right? Design their own font. All right. So Jaime, what do you got next? Well, iOS 11.4 is no longer in beta. It is available uh, as of yesterday, as of when this uh, recording has occurred. Uh, it's got a couple of things. One that I talked about on the interweb saying that, uh, wow, this is swell. And that is messages in iCloud, which is great because mm-hmm. I was able to get my iPhone and my iPad, put them side by side, delete something from one and watch it just magically delete from the other. And unfortunately, I didn't get a message on either one right when I was testing that. So I didn't get to do the live, like, let's make sure they're all in the same order for messages and threads and everything. But I have great faith that it will happen. But that's not the main thing. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, I was going to say that I, I also updated too, but I hadn't, I haven't flipped the switch. You have to actually go in and turn on the, um, and you have to go into the iCloud preference and turn on messages implicitly, right? Yes. And you, you have to turn it on. Uh, it, it's kind of confusingly under the iCloud banner. So you go into settings, you tap on iCloud, and then now there's another row there that you might have seen for like photos and email and stuff that's now uh, available. And so I am slightly confused though, because I know that now that if I get a message on my phone, I also get the message on my iPad. But if I'm in the same network, right? Like we talked about, if you're on cellular, it doesn't work. But what's different with this now? So now it will work sort of like, um, let's say if you're using WhatsApp or um, Facebook Messenger or Line or any or other. Or Slack. Yeah. yeah, yeah, or Slack or anything that has a sort of source of truth sort of thing where every side, everything is synchronizing. So your clients have everything in the same order. Um, messages wasn't really like that before. It was sort of like a best effort, try to pulse out all the um, messages content over to every device you have. But um, right. if you had a device that was not available for whatever reason, you're just like, oh, well, that message is gone, you know? <laughs> um, and I'm not sure what the exact algorithm was. So I think some people noticed it more than others. Uh, sounds like you didn't really notice it, Tim. I, I definitely noticed it some. And there are tons of uh, technology bloggers who just, like, I guess they, they live and breathe in the messages app and it was driving them bonkers how it was not synchronized seamlessly. But now it is, if you choose. And uh, right. I will point out, because I was chatting with somebody, I apologize, I don't have the notes right in front of me, on Twitter, where uh, I have a very simple sort of setup where um, I'm the only one using my iCloud 
iCloud account. If you are sharing your iCloud account or like, uh, I think photos was, uh, was this person's particular use case. Um, and you have, you know, different emails sort of set up for your messages app to communicate. You, you might run into some issues, so you might want to find out what's going to happen there. But for somebody like me who just has a singular, you know, iCloud account and I have it on all my devices, it worked fantastic for me. Yeah, actually, I replied to that person as well because um, I saw that tweet you sent out earlier. Let's have a quick look. Yeah, Tim, you always have like the most trouble because you've been uh, living and breathing the brand for a very long time and, and you have you know, family sharing and all sorts of like more sure. complicated setups. So I, I'll be interested to see what ends up happening for you as a, as a good sort of barometer of, of how successful this release was. Well, I mean, that's why I sort of said I was a little afraid to do that after seeing the response you got about that. Um, what was that? Tweets and replies. And apparently in, in some chatter we had in our own Slack, um, it's not available for macOS yet. It was a little weird they didn't do uh, an update for uh, macOS, so that version of the messages app to participate. Um, we have been surmised, I think, Greg, this is yours, like, hey, maybe that reference panel is like a web view. Maybe we secretly got it, but no, sadly, it's not. I could have sworn, at least on iOS, when you go to the iCloud preferences, like, it only has two rows in the table view, and it spins for a bit, and then it, like, suddenly, magically, 20 rows appear or whatever, showing all the services. So I thought, mm-hmm. I don't know if, if that means it's a web view, but I assume it's, like, phoning iCloud saying, hey, what's what are the current settings that shows them? <laughs> so I was thinking maybe the Mac would do that, too, but I tried, and messages did not show up there, so the Mac is always second to your platform. It'll get there someday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think the other big thing... By the way, the, uh, the just a quick mm-hmm. quick note here before you move on, that um friend of the show, Jeremiah Jessel, was who you were having a conversation about, the fact that he's got a... He shares his account with somebody else, so... I don't share my iCloud account with Carol, so I wonder I wonder what will happen in, in that case. It does it does make me worried, though, you know? <laughs> right. It's kind of like your every every Mac in your in your house rings when you when you used to get a message. Remember, remember those days? I think it was iOS 9 syncing or something like that. Yeah, yeah. and and uh, one day your HomePod will do the same. Oh, great. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure awesome. of it. Uh, um, and speaking of, speaking of which, so uh, AirPlay 2 was part of iOS 11.4. So for those of you who have um, multiple HomePods, you're going to benefit from having the uh, stereo setup if you have two of them in the same room or the cool. multi-room setup where you can say, hey, go play, you know, the Sound of Music soundtrack in the living room or, you know, in the, the bedroom, I suppose, if you want to do that, or in the kitchen, you know, just about wherever you might have these. So you'll be, will you be able to play two different songs in two different rooms? Presumably. I don't. I only have a singular HomePod, so I've not tried this out myself. Yeah, I know. You're chomping at the bit to run up and buy another one, aren't you? <laughs> at the low, low price of $349. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's only uh, $600, $700 for stereo, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I also think <laughs> this can do the, the multi-setup where it's like, play this music throughout the house. Um, oh, here's the thing, though. I mean, here, this is what you got to do. you got to get the Dark Side of the Moon quadraphonic version and get four home pods <laughs> <laughs> then put your head back <laughs> here comes the drill does this have the feature yeah. having it where it's where it sculpts the sound to the room to optimize the sound to the room that they mentioned when it first came out so the home pod already does that uh, as a singular device but i believe for uh, this airplay 2 setup um both of the home pods will sort of coordinate as to where they are in space so they can figure out how they want to share that relationship of uh, spreading the music so does it just seem magical when it does that i mean with the sculpting of the room it works really well so i've, I've not admittedly done like the most scientific test but if you pick up your home pod and move it somewhere else you can you can still hear like how good it sounds even when it's put in a challenging position like here shove this thing in a corner okay here put it over here where there's something partially blocking it um i think people were saying that there's an accelerometer inside of the home pod and they surmised that that's probably what apple was using to figure out when should we trigger another um tuning slash diagnostic mode to figure out you know 
how do we want to shape the audio? Well, you don't think it's got like IR sensors on the outside or something like that? I don't recall the the actual teardown that people did. I, I oh, assume I it would do like, you know, whatever bats and dolphins might do if they, you know, were shoved in a unfortunate, uh, unfamiliar situation. They would probably do like a sonar blast to try to figure out where they're at in the world. Cool. So I was just reading ahead at your next one. Why don't you tell us about that one? Really exciting. Yeah, I think <laughs> if you're listening to this show and you're wondering like, hey, why do I even care? These Americans talking about their stupid HomePods. Well, you can add to the list uh, Canadians, French, and German folks. Uh, on June 18th is when the Apple HomePod will, will launch. So get your ducats ready. Okay, so I'm just opening I'm opening up PCALC right now and doing the conversion from US dollars to Canadian dollars. $454 or $455 Canadian. Notwithstanding the $50 bump that Apple you seems to add to everything that comes up here. All right, cool. Yeah, and it says here that in, I guess I already have this in my update, that uh, the devices have language support for Canadian, or Canadian English. Canadian? French. <laughs> Sorry, there, there was an unfortunate line break in the in the width that I have my browser. But yes, it does enable language support for Canadian. Um, not sure the difference between Canadian English and American English, uh, as far as a well, it's like concerned. process, process, schedule, schedule. And you can say sorry uh, all route, the time. Route, sorry, yeah, sorry. Sorry, I can't do that. That's what my Google says all the time. Sorry, can't do that right now. <laughs> yes. They say just French here, which is interesting. I thought they would point out uh, Canadian French as being yeah, there's quite a difference scene. actually. Parisian, there's Parisian French and there's Canadian French or Quebecois, as we like to call it here. Oh, here we go. So the, the article says later that uh, Canadian French will be added in a software update later this year. Oh, sure. So there'll be lots of disgruntled French Canadians until that happens. No, nobody's biting that one. Okay. All right, more editing for Tim. <laughs> <laughs> You can ask the HomePod, um, when's Quebec going to get an NHL team? And it'll say, at some what? point after Seattle gets one, which is good. In, in NHL Quebec team or already has one? an NHL team. Montreal yeah. Canadiens. Well, I think it means Quebec City. When will they get their team back, oh. maybe? Oh, get their team no. back. Yeah, since they apparently okay. moved to Colorado and became the Avalanche. That's true. And then they won the Stanley Cup uh-huh. a couple times. What's amazing to me, though, I got to say, okay, so they just threw this team together from all the cast-offs uh, from all the other places. They put together the... Las Vegas Knights, and they just they're they're playing game two as we record this right now, and I'm sure they're kicking uh, Alexander Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals butts, right? Like they did the other night. So we have to see. Hang on a second here. Let's let's ask Siri. Let me get Siri going here. Hey Siri, what's the score in the hockey game? The Capitals defeated the Golden Knights by a score of three to two in game two of the Stanley Cup Finals today. How about that? Re- lead the series. Real time follow up. <laughs> I guess I was wrong. All right. It moves fast, Tim. Uh, might as well do some follow-up now and say uh, we were talking about the NBA Finals. And as it turns out, uh, it is the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is actually kind of surprising. They were both... What's the score in the basketball game, Siri? The Warriors won the conference finals 4-3 to three over the Rockets. They won the last game 101-92. to 92. All right. Isn't it game two today? Am I behind? Look. I don't know. Ask Siri. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I have Siri disabled, actually. <laughs> <laughs> really? I definitely have hey followed by the word Siri disabled. I'm just pushing the button on my iPhone 10. Mm. Like an animal. Um, all right, Jaime, what do you got first? What's the next story you got here? This one is a uh, sort of a continuation in the blog post by uh, Felix Krauss. Um, you know him from, I, I just drew a complete Fast lane. Fastlane, thank you. Fastlane. <laughs> <laughs> 
I know. I we dropped you for a second. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like, Felix. why? You know, just sometimes that happens. It's, I was like, I can see the logo, but I can't read it in my mind. This is driving me bonkers. <laughs> yes, fastly. <laughs> Old age is catching up on Jaime. Poor Jaime. <laughs> Once you get past uh, 37, it's just like a hard cliff yep, right there. It's all downhill from here. Yep, yep. yep. Um, yeah, so does uh, no one surprise, you know, people are talking about, you know, how do we trust software in a GDPR sort of world? And part of that is, uh, you know, SDKs and stuff, uh, which was, I think, something we talked about in a previous episode related to these articles that Felix, Felix has come out with. And um, he's got a, a proposition here or a proposal for Apple saying like, hey, what if iOS apps had all of their networking inside a sandbox? So if you think about, um, you know, the Mac App Store sandbox where uh, you have like specific entitlements that you have to request. And if you want to do something, you know, that's a little bit more than what a standard app would get. And Gatekeeper will sort of keep track of that and protect users from any sort of malfeasance. Uh, and then I think Felix's idea here is is kind of interesting. I think it might have some weird challenges for anything that would you know show like arbitrary web content. Uh, think of like Twitter here, for example. Um, but it does seem kind of interesting. I'm like, well, if I'm an app developer and I say, look, I'm going to hit, you know, api.mycompany.com and www.myapi.com and uh, asset.cdnmycompany.com. It's like, yeah, anything other than that, like that's, that's unusual. That's, you know, some analytics SDK that I'm using that's trying to do something on uh, on the download that's kind of sketchy. Um, it's kind of a radical uh, idea here. And I, I, I think it will cause a tons of problems if we'll try doing that. Um, you know, if Apple wants to take this seriously, but as a user, uh, I, I think I kind of like the idea of, of knowing what I'm getting into. I like I like the idea of it. I wonder if, <clears throat> well, I think step one he mentioned was ATS, the app transport security, which is still not fully implemented. Is that right? No, yeah, it's yeah. not yet. No, not yet. So I guess, you know, it was like ex- exception, extension, exception, extension. And it's like, we're still not there yet, which is like, all right, fine. But I, I guess, I guess if that didn't even roll out, then which is just like HTTPS, what are the chances of having approved hosts? But I guess my bigger question is like in the carrot and the stick approach, is Apple going to say you must pre-declare everything? Or if not, if they say, oh, this is optional and people will like it. Like what's the, what's the carrot? I feel like people, normal people don't care enough. If you download an app and it says, you know, this app can reach any host on the internet. It's like, um, well, okay. Like, all right, that's fine. I don't feel like people are going to care enough unless Apple enforces this somehow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think, but it's interesting that the screenshot he's got there, is he proposing that, um, they would expose what, uh, third party sites you or third party tools you're using in the app. Well, the, at least the, so if you're going to say, okay, um, iOS is networking, right? So like, uh, NSURL session will absolutely be denied by the operating system itself. If you say, um, Hey, uh, this should go to www.yahoo.com. And it says, mm, your manifest here doesn't say that that's actually allowed. So maybe this is an SDK doing something it's not supposed to. Maybe, you know, a, a CocoaPod got compromised and nobody knew it. And there's been some, uh, nasty code that's secretly been injected in there. And it's trying to siphon data away, uh, piggybacking on existing, you know, app permissions that have been legitimately acquired, but are starting to be used under the covers for, uh, you know, ill reasons that that would be the idea there. Right. So, uh, from the user side, I think if you said, you know what, philosophically, uh, just to pick on one, cause it's in the, the photo, I just refuse to do anything related to Google. I don't use Gmail. I don't use Google search. I use DuckDuckGo for privacy. Now you can look and say, well, this app uses Google analytics.com. Mm, I'm not going to download it. So it gives the user, um, empowerment to make that choice. That's a pretty tough exclusion though. I mean, I guess if apps had to declare, <laughs> Hey, we use Google analytics, we use fabric, we use whatever, then that's one thing. But then I don't know, that's easy to say, but I feel like then what are you going to do? Half the apps in the, or maybe more than half the apps, like well, 90% of apps, you'll be like, Oh, you're just not going to use them. That seems, I don't know. It doesn't seem like an elegant 
solution. I feel like the more likely thing, if it's going to happen, is sort of like content blockers on Safari, but having like a system-wide content blocker. Like right now, if you have a you, you have like one blocker or whatever, and you say, I don't, I want to block Google Analytics, and I want to block, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to pick on somebody else. I don't know anybody. <laughs> I don't know anybody else though. Fabric or Crashlytics or whatever. And it's like I want to block those, or I want to block, you know, some ad network on Safari. But if that were system-wide, sure. and you said every app, please block Google Analytics and block. Um, I was Flurry. That's what is Flurry still around? Are they still a thing? Analytics and all I think that? so. Anyway. Yes. All right. I want to block Flurry and I want to block Google Analytics like system-wide. And then if that were another extension point, I think that would be a little more likely. It would still be like nerdy. So nerds would do it, but then normal people would be like, oh, I don't know. I'm just going to keep using this app. Um, but that, that seems like the best apps though. Uh, how do you mean? Not, well, not for not analytics, but if there's some, if there's some kind of functionality that, yeah. that, uh, that many apps might use uh, and, and depend on for functionality of the app, then if you, if you uh, block it on a system-wide level, it could, it could break apps in an unpredictable way. That's true. I guess it's similar with the web. I mean, obviously we, the web is just the web. It's not Steve Jobs' uh, iPhone, you know, version one where it's like, oh, sweet solution, web apps. You can imagine if we were still living in that world and we had content blockers and it would be the same thing, right? Your websites will be broken depending on your blocker settings. But that seems to have not happened as much. I guess people use reasonable um, filters and they the filters are set up in such a way that everyday web usage isn't affected. Like it's still, they can still access all the sites that they want. So maybe system-wide blockers would be similar. You wouldn't block like, I don't know, AWS or something like that. <laughs> like, cause then, yeah, like you said, Mark, like none of your apps would work. But I right. think it's the same with the web. I don't think people have problem, too many problems with content blockers on the web saying like, oh my God, all the websites are, you know, not functional. What's going on? That, I don't, I, I don't hear that complaint a lot from like non-technical people. So an interesting site has just popped up and I just saw it on the weekend um, called App Insight. I've pasted the link here in the show notes for you guys to look at. But if you click on that link, it's they're they're somehow they're downloading the apps or whatever uh, Android apps and, and uh, Apple apps as well, iOS apps, mm-hmm. and they're going through the apps and they're looking to see what third-party frameworks are being used in the apps. And I guess they're using tools like um, Charles or just doing spring, strings inspections on the IPAs to mm-hmm. figure out what's what's in them. And you can actually so you can look it up by the name of the app. They don't have everything in there because of course they don't have my apps in there, but, or some of them they don't have. Um, but you can also click on say if you want to look at Google Analytics, if you could find it, you could you can actually see. Oh, you can click on the SDK tab at the top here. Um, so hockey SDK, right? And you can you can get a list of all you know which which apps are using the hockey app uh, SDK in their in their thing. And of course, it would go on for days if you loaded them all up, right? But it's an interesting interesting tool, interesting way of you know this is kind of uh, I think Charles uh, for iOS has sort of opened up people's eyes in terms of what um, apps are doing you know behind the scenes sort of thing, right? Um, but as well you know in, in this case here to look at what SDKs are being used. So if you're totally opposed to, I don't know, let me just pick on one here. Oh, the ho- suppose you, I don't want to deal with hockey, anybody who uses hockey app SDK for whatever reason, you know, um, you could then choose based on on what they're using in their apps, you know? Kind of, look at that, Microsoft Outlook even uses hockey app. Interesting, I wonder. <laughs> well, I wonder it's a Microsoft product, going. right? It's Microsoft yeah. using Microsoft. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah, yeah it's true. Forgot about that. What I, you I, I wonder how deep they're going. If they're, Are they just searching for dynamic frameworks that are linked in or because those are just included in the bundle or if they're explicitly looking for you know certain tags in the in the source code that that uh not in the source code but in the in the object code that that are signals of a certain sdk being used interesting i think it was yeah, I don't know. Like I said, last could... i heard frameworks yeah they were yeah, so... frameworks that's what i remember uh, that's, yeah. that's 
that's for sure the easiest way. Mm-hmm. So I did sign up for an account. I thought maybe if I signed up for an account, I could get more information on what's going on here. There's very little documentation on the site other than what you see is what you get. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know, don't even know who's doing this and, and and or why, right? So I suppose I could read their privacy policy if I really wanted to know. But yeah, it's sort of, I think the question was raised on Twitter, which was why I came over here and have a look, was was wondering how, in fact, they're, they're going about getting this information other than, you know, downloading the apps and going through them. I just got a message from Felix Krauss. That was very spooky time. <laughs> <laughs> his ears are burning. Yeah, it is not about it is not about his blog post. So don't worry. <laughs> no, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. The phone call is coming from inside the house. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm gonna have to run outside. He's gonna, he's gonna run in here and start uh, making uh, all these counter arguments in front of the microphone. Probably. I do. I do like the idea of declaring the web host, but I think you know it's gonna be tough if we can't even get HTTPS. This seems like way way out there, and it'll be one of those opt-in things, yeah. but nobody will care. You gotta enforce it. I don't know. I don't. I don't I'm not sure I see it happening though. And it and it could cause it would cause a lot of trouble with things like uh, shortened URLs and things like that. You know, mm. these dynamically generated mm. things. Right. Right. Yeah. So I think to answer your as the last sort of thing, Greg, you'd asked about the the carrot side. So I think there's sort of a limited carrot for users. I mean, it, it's probably no different than the limit ad tracking option that we've had for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. But the carrot I can see Apple using for developers is like, oh, um, you want to be featured? Guess what? You have to do this. Your app cannot be featured unless you do, you know, this extra thing that jumps through this hoop. And granted, that's not going to apply in the in another app store world, right? You'll still see the, the normal people that you would expect to see as, uh, as featured apps. But if you're a um, random indie company and you have to make that choice, that, that might be the carrot that they use for developers. Not not really a stick because you don't, uh, it's not as if you are entitled to be featured, but if you really want to be featured, maybe that's the sort of thing that they'll they'll use. Hmm. Cool. By the way, I found the, uh, the link from um, Evan Stoner um, sent a link in about the climb bottles that um, that uh, Clifford Stoll is making. Like I said, there's a video there on the site, but there's also, if you click on the, oh, I guess I paste a link in here for you. If you go to climbbottle.com, you can see that they're, in fact, producing climb bottles. I'll ask Alexis where he got his, and I'll uh, take a nice portrait photo of it on his desk, and I'll send it in, because it'll be, I'll, I will have handled one in real life, and I can tell you all about it. Interesting. Yeah. How would you empty it? I guess that's the point. You can't, right? Uh, you can, I'm sure if you oh, no, I guess it in the right way, you can, you can get it, you know, backwards up the tube and then out. I don't know. I'll give it a try if he doesn't mind. Right. <laughs> Pour some water in the in the climb bottle and see if I can get it out. Yeah, what what is the point what is the point of making a climb bottle anyway? Just making a mo- movie strip. It's just fun. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I said because you can. Yeah, there's really no other reason. All right. Um, mm-hmm. So the next story we have here is another one, uh, a bit of a saga. There, there has been a good resolution to it. So I'll tell you the story first of all. So um, this gentleman on the uh, on bought a um, five thousand dollar iMac Pro, and he bought it with the, he wanted to get it with a Visa amount, which which Apple I'll just tell me he's from Snazzy Labs. Um, anyway, he bought this this um, MacBook Pro. The you know. Black, or sorry, iMac Pro, the the black one, the five thousand dollar guy, and it comes with you know a stand like a typical iMac does, and but you can also get Apple has an Apple branded eighty dollar Visa mount, which he uses for which he prefers to have his Mac mounted on, um, and it comes with the the, the actual it's, it's user installable, so you undo these nine screws and you put on the latest Visa mount, and surprisingly only uses five screws to to uh, connect to the Visa mount, and and it, he also does you know YouTube videos on on you know answering questions for people on Macs um, 
and production and stuff like that. And so he one day was decided he was he needed to switch it to have the because he was going to be talking about the, the iMac Pro, and uh, he um, broke off one of the screws in in the hole as he was backing it out and or tightening it up, I guess. And um, turns out that he couldn't get the visa mount off without uh, too much, you know, with, 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 he just couldn't get it out. So um, he contacted Apple. They said they don't support the, the product because it's a third-party product, which is not true. He eventually took it to the Apple store. Uh, they And they go through a long saga of there's only one guy trained on using on fixing the iMac Pros, and he was off for two days and so on and so forth. And um, it took like a week or so to get this thing back. And once he finally got back the Mac, um, he decided to look at it, and it was all mashed up, and the, the, the actual mount itself was all twisted and things like that. Um, and so he thought, well, let me just examine this. So he kind of very well in, went in gen- gingerly and undid the, the, the mount that the Apple, had, the Apple store had put on for him. And they had also broken off one of the screw heads in, in the, the, the monitor. So his, his point was, it seems odd that, you know, first of all, Apple said they would support this, this user consu- this product that they brand and, as their own product, and that it uses the cheapest zinc screws on the market on a $5,000 piece of equipment. Um, admittedly, people wouldn't normally uh, switch the monitor or the monitor mount, you know, that often, but they just found it particularly cheesy in terms of the fact, you know, how much money, you know, you're buying, you know, the most expensive Mac on the market. Why, why would they, would they, you know, have such a bad, bad solution for changing out the mount? Um, the, the resolution though, he posted on, on Twitter a couple of days ago was that he, Apple has sent him a replacement for the mangled and scratched up, uh, stand that he got. So he seems to be happier, but it was, it's an interesting thing. You watch the video here. Uh, it's not very long. It's about four or five minutes, but I'll link it in the show notes for people to look at. So just a bit of a horror story about the, uh, about the Mac, iMac Pro with the Visa mount. I haven't actually seen this video, um, but so it's good <laughs> to hear the, the recap of that. I was trying to remember if this is the same individual who um, tried taking apart the iMac Pro or something and then tried taking it in and Apple's geniuses, no, you, you basically violated the warranty by tinkering around uh, the insides right, of this thing. Right. I yeah. No, no, no. This is, this is a user consumable part, user replaceable part. That's consumer replaceable part that he's, he's got here. But yeah, it's a, he, he, ha- he has a very detailed uh, video of, of the whole conundrum and, you know, sh- the screws stuck and, you know, how he managed to get it out and, you know, and, and the, the, the waiting like, you know, a week for, you know, the, for them to turn around this repair, which was supposed to, you know, be pretty quick. A couple of, couple of three to, I think it's three to five days, I think is what he said. And it ended up being like a week and a half before he was able to get some sort of resolution. But yeah, it's, it's a horror story. Like if you just watch it, you'll be like cringing, <laughs> you know, watching this thing, right? Apple's usually, I mean, I've had servers for years and Apple has mounting kits and you can get this because there's different kinds of racks. And so you buy the kind of rack mount you would need for your um, particular server. And I've taken them, I've moved my servers a number of times. They're not light. They're pretty heavy guys, right? They're, and, you know, but they're akin, they're in the same sort of scale as, as this kind of uh, situation. Like, you know, back in the day, you were you were spending four or five, you know, $10,000 on, on a server. Um, and, and even the, the RAID the raid drives that they had, which were, you know, huge, they ended up being like $30,000 if you wanted to buy one of those and weighed a ton, you know, kind of thing. Um, but yeah, Apple generally had pretty good parts. So I'm, su- I'm surprised to hear that he had so much trouble with, uh, with these particular screws. But they looked, they're pretty tiny, though, admittedly, right? So but I'm not sure what they were thinking when they designed them, but there you go. All right. So now we're going to rub our ring our hands together and get into the meat and potatoes of the purpose of this show, which is to talk about the, by the time you're listening to this, it'll be a couple of days before WWDC keynote and the platform State of the Union. So we wanted to put on our, our thinking caps and our get 
dust off our crystal balls and see what, um, that didn't sound right, <laughs> but, uh, see what we think is going to come, uh, next week. And there's been like no leaks at all, like, or maybe very few leaks in terms of what's coming out. So thanks for pasting the crystal ball in there, Greg. But, I haven't heard uh, any leaks, Tim. What are the few leaks that you've heard? I, I'm just, uh, what did I hear? Um, but nothing specific about this. I, I mean, there was kind of a discussion. I was listening to Jason Snell's podcast and they were kind of kicking around a few ideas, but yeah, even, even they say there's no leaks. Um, somebody mentioned to me a Mac, a MacBook Pro update, but I, I doubt that they would, you know, unless they were coming out with something like a, you know, a floating screen or something like that, they, they wouldn't necessarily roll it out at, at WWDC. So actually, right? I think so, that was, I mean, lot- it wasn't the MacBook Pro, it was the regular MacBook. And the reason that came about is that the, uh, the delivery dates for these, for the existing one are getting pushed back. And usually that doesn't happen unless they're right. about to release a new model. So, yeah, or if they get hard to get. Back, yeah, Mark. yeah. I thought all of them were like June 5th, like including the MacBook Pros. Oh, I don't know about that. I just know about the article that I saw uh, about the mm. about that. Um, that maybe so maybe they're going to refresh all the hardware then. <laughs> that's true. When usually when you see a drop in price drop too, that's yeah. another indication that something's coming, right? So yeah. scarcity is one. The, and price I did drop hear another. about the date. I thought it was MacBook Pros, though, not the Mac. I don't. I don't know, but it was some kind of computer. Uh, I heard some. I think oh, it was more true, wishful yeah. thinking. Somebody mentioned the MacBook Air finally getting an update or i don't know maybe it'll yeah just right i heard that one too maybe yeah. it'll just disappear right it'll be like the apple store will be like sorry you know we're updating and then after the keynote it'll come back and like the Mac- macbook macbook airs will just be gone maybe that'll be it too you get a lenovo and you get a lenovo and you get a- yeah. we know coramel is going to get some sort of update probably you know better faster stronger you know easier to easier to create models although it's pretty easy now um ar kit will probably get like a, a, a kick in the pants yeah, right mm-hmm. so you would think although they just came out with 1.5 not too long ago so oh yeah yeah. I'm pretty sure that was like stuff that they wanted to get in because it was like vertical planes was one of the big things. And it's like, yes, I feel like that was something that just slipped with 1.0 and then they right, right, yeah, the yeah. Next release. Yeah, maybe they needed to get it out before WWDC because they didn't want to mix it up with all the, the new stuff that they were going to do. Let's, let's hope that's the case. Yeah, exactly. But surely within the last year, they've been working on two, two 2.0 features already. But I feel like vertical planes were like, oh, we didn't quite make it for September, but they'll come next. But then, you know, they're still working on whatever's new, you know, three-dimensional mm-hmm. plane or something like that. That's not the real thing, but you know what I mean. <laughs> well, what do you think about this this uh, logo that we usually we have some sort of connection to the logo that they use, and so now we've got this stark white, you know, three mm. uh, D isometric perspective logo thing going on. Jaime was asking a question about that on Twitter earlier today. What what, what do you guys think about that? What do you think, Tim? Does that what does that suggest for what the new design? If there is a new design of iOS, what what what? Does well, that I think skeuomorphism is coming back, and there's going to be no color anymore. It's going to be all white <laughs> and shades of gray. Maybe they'll move to e-ink finally. Even, well, even look at look at the WWC app that got updated today as we record, as we record on uh, May thirtieth, right? They just updated and it just has a symbol, a, a white logo with a gray um, apple with a slight uh, shadow, right? Yeah, like it's on, it's elevated, it's floating on top, right? Yeah, like like sort of a, a illusion of three dimensions because of the shadow, right? Yeah, with little dots in the background. What does that mean? In the little white dots in the in the icon or or in, in the you're talking about the image. Uh, no, in the icon. Well, that's, oh, that's right. the same that. grid that's in the that's in the yeah. image. I may have may not. I may or may not have photoshopped uh, in advance of this recording an image. So I did, I did look at it quite closely. So have you guys looked at the schedule at all? The schedule is to 
Kim is still, is still limited to the you know the fake names. Yeah, there are some real names though, more than there I are thought. A few. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but there are things that are that are just not controversial at all. Like one of them is creating apps for a global audience. Well, they have that talk almost every year, right? Or something something along. Yeah. So that's nothing new. But I feel like that's also, kind of a bad sign. Like last year, I feel like uh, we should probably count them and compare. But I feel like last year, almost all of them were um, bad puns, and only like a handful of them were real. But this seems like there's maybe a solid twenty that are real names already. Yeah. Yeah. This one's guaranteed to make a splash. You'll enjoy this one. I wonder if that's something to do with sequel because of the SQ. Or hard to believe. <laughs> I don't think the puns actually have anything to do with the sessions, though. <laughs> it's about time we offered this one some some new feature for the watch, perhaps. I did notice a lot of the well, it's probably just you know the, a lot of the ones that aren't obscured but actual names have to do with design, which I don't know. That could just be those aren't secret, so they put them on. But it's like qualities of great design, uh, intentional design. I think this one the last day about like um, user centric design yeah, or something true, like yeah. that. So there, yeah. there seems to be a lot of those design uh, design studio shorts. Those are, they had those last year, so never mind. But there seemed to be a good number of those, and I thought, hmm. And then with the icon and the look of it, maybe there's some maybe there's some new design coming. I'm not sure, but I just and again, this is just because there's so many puns and the design ones stand out. Maybe this just because they're not secret. Well, here's the cipher. It looks like everyone that has an emoticon before the uh, the name of the the thing is is one of the jokey ones. Yeah, because the ones that are real, like measuring and optimizing HLS performance, that sounds that's a legit one. Um, so get ready to kick and, this one into gear. They're going to introduce the the new Apple Car mm-hmm. or the Apple bike. Or the Apple you don't bike. Know. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Does that one of those little like electric scooters that are clogging up the uh, the West Coast? <laughs> The Apple self-driving yeah. bike. I gotta use them all. This I can. one, They're clearing this one will week, really take off with a picture of a plane. So it's going to be the Apple plane, or or maybe the Apple rocket. You don't it's know Apple rocket. Well, it's a plane. Though. There's a rocket and a different one. But the text, the text is in Chinese, so I can't read it. Oh right, okay, yeah, yeah. I need some translation. One thing that's new, I think, is new, is uh, Wednesday evening, sort of after the official session. They have these get-togethers. Did yeah, that last year. I don't I think I remember that. it. But they have a AR get-together, machine learning, games, apps for the world, accessible technology and health fitness and the description is like well the AR, AR one is like you know meet others who share your interests and learn more about AR kit and I guess there'll be Apple folks and people who are also interested in AR so it's scheduled for an hour 15 minutes but I wonder what that's going to be just like an open yeah, seems, seems kind of short lab where people wander around yeah like I don't yeah. think it's going to be anything yeah. official it just seems like ask questions and share your experiences and talk with other people who are interested so it's almost like birds of a feather sessions or something that they're doing which is kind of interesting yeah but they're well, all 15 the time, which is unfortunate too. Be, because they're yeah, you can only go to one, go or you one. could bounce around, I guess. But yeah, you just maybe, have to go to one. Maybe it'll just be kind of informal receptions, you know, with with you know snacks and drinks or whatever, and and you can meet kind of people who have similar interests or something like that. that that's what I'm thinking, like a birds of a, mm-hmm. birds of a feather session, because they yeah. are in the loungy areas, so it seems yeah. like that's what it is. But that's something new, I think. Mm-hmm. And there's the Ka- Kayla Itsinus boot camp, which is like a jumpstart your morning with a 45 minute work. Yeah, it's an that, actual yeah. boot camp. I thought yeah. it was like coding bootcamp or something, no, yeah. but no, it's an actual... They yeah. also put the Nike runs. Every morning, there's a WWDC run. So that sounds kind of cool. Okay, you, you can go to that, Greg, and let me know how it is. Mm, I'm doing uh, morning coffee. There's a separate event. I'm doing that. Not yeah. official event, yeah. but I'm doing morning coffee, not morning run. That's, yeah, not, that's not for I'll me. I'll join you for that one. We can go to uh, Phil's. Okay. Mm. So it's got to be 7 in the morning. I'm seeing... See, I see them here in, in my time zone, so oh, it's yeah, 10 a.m., yeah. but that, 7 a.m., right, for you yeah. guys? Yeah. 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 Wow. Interesting stuff. So I had on my list... Um, I think I had heard the whole unified operating system iOS plus Mac or whatever is not on for this year it's going to be next year if that so if we're not getting some new design oh really yeah I think on my list was if they're like unifying 
that there's going to be some new operating system next year that kind of brings all the platforms together. And this year, I was hoping they would redo the developer tools. So we would get Xcode X, and it would be completely new, kind of like, well, not completely new, but sort of like how Xcode 3 no, it won't be Xcode X. sort of redesigned everything. Why not? Wouldn't, wouldn't it be called 10 Code 10? Mm. Yeah, that's kind of what well, I was thinking, For too. maximum confusion. <laughs> yeah. 10 Code or X. Or 10 Code X. 10, 10 Code X, X, actually. Yeah. Yeah. But sort of like Xcode 3 to 4, where it sort of changed the interface around and said, we've reorganized it, made it easier to do these things. I'm thinking, if this is the developer tool year, then We're next year... We're going back to Interface Builder as a separate app. Xcode 3D. Next year, then. Yeah. 3D, 3D storyboards. FaceTime. Face you can actually see all your, all your uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. different uh, view hierarchies in real time in the storyboard. Yeah, that actually would be... It would actually be kind of cool. Yeah. Instead of like, oh, what's that stupid shortcut so I can command click, option click, so I can get this one little thing that's like three layers underneath this halfway mm-hmm. invisible thing I have. That I could just sort of so rotate it. Siri, which is a stupid shortcut. What, what do you think about FaceTime on other devices or, or secure ideas? A little birdie told me they're going to be calling this stuff in the future. But um, what do you think about FaceTime on Macs or FaceTime on iPads? FaceTime? Yeah, face ID? We already have FaceTime. Or, sorry, Face ID. Oh, Face ID. Face ID. Yeah. Oh. face ID. Well, yeah. that's more of a hardware thing, though. Why wouldn't they announce it at, at the keynote? It's like something you could hook into, like uh, just like they added Touch ID for uh, logging into the Mac. Because then they'd be giving away a feature of future unreleased or unannounced hardware, and they don't like to do that. Yeah, no, well, I guess. Well, maybe you maybe you put those, you know, tied at the hip and say, well, they they announced a new MacBook Pro. Guess what? It's got a Face ID sensor, and oh, you can also program for it, too. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I think one thing... We're not really digging deep here. One thing I was hearing uh, in a couple different areas, and I, I have no idea how, how true it is. I don't know if it's like a leak or anything. Is uh, a, like, sign-in with Apple sort of idea. So, like those... Uh, Logging with Facebook, logging with Google. Yeah, where uh, like websites and apps and other things could have a presumably GDPR compliant provided by Apple solution. That's like actually an interesting idea. Your phone number, email. Yeah. So you just use your iCloud account to to uh, authenticate your you know a third party app or or uh, or a service in the same way that Facebook Connect or or Google single sign on works. Yeah, we we're talking about that at work a little while ago about like could we use the person's iCloud? Like, if they're logged in with iCloud already on the web, their Apple ID on the web, could we, like, access our app's app iCloud container, CloudKit container or something like that? And is there anything like that? But that would be kind of sort of a web thing. And I don't know, it doesn't seem like Apple's thing. They would say, oh, just use an app, and we already have iCloud, and we already have CloudKit. Why don't you just use that? Um, but I think you can access your own app's CloudKit container. Like, they have that JavaScript API now, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then how do you know who it is? Or can you not access user-specific data? You can only access like the shared container do you know has anyone used the cloud kit stuff not recently a little bit so you you have access to so so it's different than your regular iCloud account Mm -hmm. so so Mm -hmm. if you write an app then your particular app has its own public area and 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 uh, private area so but the private area is specific to your app and your and the user so so from your app you you can't access anyone else's apps right area or their their generic uh, iCloud information. You have no access to any of that. It's only the mm-hmm. specific area that's only for your app. So from the web API, then what can I access? Or like from JavaScript, I mean? Oh, the, the JavaScript thing. part. Uh, yeah. That I don't remember. I okay, I have to look into that. Because I, I guess like, I know there's like app-specific stuff, like everybody who is using your app can access some bucket, I think. Yeah. 
but I wasn't really sure on right. the JavaScript side, like how do I get to a specific user? Like how do I know who the user is? So the only way I could think of is you have to log in with your, like via iCloud, you have to log into your Apple ID somewhere on the web. And then that will give me the JavaScript developer yeah. some token that I can then access the container. I wasn't really sure how that worked though, it's, but that's yeah, sort it's, of... It's sort of hard to believe that the that same would thing, be it right? though, because you don't need your, you don't need to be authenticated with iCloud to use the uh, the app specific private area of of uh, CloudKit. Yeah, they, they what they do what they do is they they never they have some sort of way of, of creating a, like a, a unique ID for that's between the device and right. an Apple. Right. They they never send anything specific about the user hmm. from so they have a way of t- attaching the device to your account. So there must be some sort of identifier that that they use in their own apps, right? So if we had some sort of uh, API that would let us do that, we would only be able to say this user is this user on the phone able to connect and, and be validated, you know, authenticated against our app, right? Hmm, okay. um, we wouldn't we, like there wouldn't be anything that identifies Greg Heo specifically, right? But it would be something that re- recognizes that phone, that secure ID, that secure enclave, you know, uh, to Apple's, uh, you know, some sort of way of vetting it, right? So, yeah. yeah. And in in theory, yeah. if you if you're doing web stuff from your phone, then Apple certainly knows, even though we don't necessarily have access to it as developers, Apple certainly knows what phone you're on. Yeah, yeah. You can do exactly. magic stuff that we can't do. Hmm. All right. Exactly, yeah. All right, log in with Apple. Maybe that'll be it. Yeah, I, I think that would be kind of a cool thing, actually. I actually think, too, I think I mentioned it on the show before, I, I kind of wonder, you know, in my rants about security, why Apple hasn't stepped up with a security kit, you know? Rather than allowing us to, you know, take a, take a user's ID and their username or email or whatever. I mean, the recommendation, if you listen to Rob Napier's talks at, uh, at 360 iDev last year, he talked about as soon as the, the user keys in that information into your app, you obfuscate it, right? You stretch it, you you know make it longer, you um, add a key, add a you know add a den of some sort of key to it to, to you know completely obliterate its ability to be you know backwardly worked out, right? And that's what you store on your server, right? Or you pass around from one place to another. So you're never actually passing the the, the letters that the user keyed in. You know what I mean? So I'm surprised that Apple hasn't come up with something that like that. I mean, it's kind of you know the whole world of app development has been us figuring out things that we can do with this hardware and and a service uh, or a hard, the hardware and and the kits that they give or the frameworks that they give us we come up with these magical you know tiny wings and and uh, flappy I don't know, flappy Felipe kind of flappy birds you know um, kind of stuff right um, Apple doesn't really sort of step into it they kind of sort of give us the tools and say we you know we'd love to see what you come up with on this right sort of kind of thing they say at every end of every, every talk but um, I'm surprised that they haven't come forward with some sort of security kit, especially in, in light of what's been going on in the last six months or eight months, right? With all the GDPR now, and we had all the, you know, the Facebook shenanigans, and you know, I don't know if you guys heard, but in, in uh, we had a couple of Canadian banks uh, that have like a financing fan, financial uh, service that got uh, compromised just just two days ago. So mm-hmm. yeah, and that's happening all the time, right? So my my uh, security kit is what I'm calling it. <laughs> Any other ideas? I think one that I'd like to see is a strong developer story for the HomePod. And and maybe that's as part of a stronger story for integrating with Siri in general. But um, whatever form it takes, I'm, I'm sort of rooting for the idea that we can build the equivalent or of uh, skills or actions um, as seen on the Google Home and the Amazon Echo or the Apple HomePod. Maybe write it in Swift on the server. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's one thing I keep hoping for. I mean, I think we've talked about uh, probably around this time last year that like, yeah, Apple 
Google isn't really, you know, AWS or Google Cloud Platform or Microsoft Azure, but if they were to offer a, uh, and, and maybe it's like, you know, in partnership with IBM or something here, um, they're going to offer a cloud functions equivalent, like a serverless option of like, all right, you write this Swift code and it runs to do some sort of, you know, trigger. You know, maybe it integrates with CloudKit to say, all right, let me go look up this user's preference for, you know, X, Y, and Z, or uh, make a call to like, you know, the weather channel service or something, and, and whatever the case may be. But something where it's more than just, well, okay, this phone is physically in range to the HomePod and uh, Siri on the phone can connect. Like, I understand the privacy angle, but I think it ends up being um, just a little bit too limited to not have a web services oriented sort of solution. But I wasn't willing to sort of bet that that would actually happen despite my desire. But I do hope there is a stronger developer story either way for the HomePod. Well, that, that could be tied into an improved uh, Siri kit, you know, over whatever whatever is there now. I, and I'm trying to remember now whether that was the last year or two years ago that they actually rolled that out. And it was, you know, pretty underwhelming what you could do with it. Oh, Siri? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They had that. They had they started off with like four or five things. And yeah. I think they added a few things last year, like be, be able to transfer money, things like that. You know, right? Um, yeah, I think again, it's I think Apple's being playing a cautious card there with Siri. Like that's why my sort of read on why they don't come up with all these whiz bang features is because I think they're more concerned about the security of the individual than they are about the the whiz bang feature, right? So, so let's switch gears here. What about like the things like emojis or an emojis, whatever that thing they came up with last year, and um, that that I, I would think that that sort of caters to the sort of millennial market or maybe the Asian markets or something like that to sort of get some of that stuff. What what kind of crazy things are we seeing? QR codes and all that kind of stuff from from other other markets that Apple may be bringing something out for. That's you know, in my opinion, goofy, but still people love them. You know, stickers are still uh, seem to be pretty popular, and you know, messaging in general is pretty popular, right? What do you think? Well, I I kind of hope not to see a lot of that stuff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> simply because you know, the, a lot of that stuff is 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 stuff that's yeah, they're they're user features, and it's and it's great to roll that out in the next version of iOS or, or whatever. But those aren't really developer oriented features. Right? No, I know. What yeah. can developers do with emojis? Not not much, right? So so I hate to see time at WWDC taken up by talking about that stuff. And and you know, my feeling is that a little too much time has been spent in the last couple of WWDCs on that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm, but that's my mm-hmm. personal opinion. Well, Eddie Q's moved on, right? Or is he still around? Speaking of, I think you know, he's think he's still around. Yeah. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. Okay. But but Mark, let me let me answer that one with a here's how you turn it into a developer story. Okay. One, you give us some sort of programmatic access to uh, create our own, so like an emoji store, and you integrate tools into Xcode to make it so much easier, just like, you know, SpriteKit's tools are available to do, you know, like um, uh, Sprite asset generation and particle tools that can help you figure out, like, oh, how does this fireball look different than these fireworks? Um, and it, it seems like it would be in line with things like uh, Snapchat is recently talking about making a Snap Kit available for, uh, you know, their their camera effects app, their, their like faces, masks, whatever it is they call it in the app, uh, and making that available as a like an SDK for other developers to use. What about something like that? Well, so then we're going to have a thousand or ten thousand make your face into a cat's face apps. I mean, how many of those do we really need? I mean, I, I kind of see it as sure, a kit right? to, to stickers, right? Stick- 
stickers were kind of a cute little, in my opinion, kind of a gimmicky thing. Uh, yeah, and yeah. everyone rolled out their sticker pack. And, you know, that, did that really benefit developers that much? I don't know. If you jumped on it on day one and then after the first two weeks, no. <laughs> it right. Was, right. It was uh, when it was shiny and new. So, yeah, I think there's some, some consideration there. Yeah. But it, it would play into, you know, presumably they'll have more devices with, um, I forget what the face ID sensor is is called the one that, that you know scans your face uh where they true, can to something camera true depth yes the true, true depth, depth camera, camera. Yeah. presumably they'll have you know uh they're not going to announce it at wwc but they'll have you know plans for september that are you know iphone 10 series 2 um potentially people are talking about the iphone se series 2 having uh something like the iphone 10 maybe it has that base id sensor or the true depth sensor um where we were talking on this very show what a couple of weeks ago probably that maybe we'll get ipads in the fall with uh that sort of sensor so it would seem to play really well into all right well maybe this is the weirdo gimmick that gets people like oh i gotta go buy a new ipad pro in the fall because it's the one that lets me do the unicorn face you know okay sure um maybe that's the uh, the carrot that gets people to, to upgrade just like an emoji was one of the carrots that they used for the iphone 10 so what about tool kits like the tool chain stuff or or um not tool chain but like some instruments some new instruments or some new debugging tool what do you think about that well th- those are what always nice like? i mean one of my one of my favorite new things in the last couple of years is the memory graph tool. Right, right. Which, yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's just awesome for debugging things like uh, uh, retain cycles and memory leaks. So mm-hmm. yeah, if they came up with more stuff like that, that would be great. Perhaps in a completely revamped Xcode 10, you know? Perhaps, yeah. 10 code 10? 10 code X. 10 code X, yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I, well, I guess it, it slowly gets into uh, my pick. Well, one of my picks of the, for this week is um, I could see them adding more tools that exist in other places and put them into Xcode itself rather than, oh, you, you launched this other thing. It's like, all right, fine. But that kind of feels like the way that things used to be when, oh, Interface Builder was separate from Project Builder or whatever it was called before, right? Before everything's integrated. I'd like to see more things go into Xcode's or seamless interface itself. So it's just, another panel rather than all right set up this thing now go to this other app set up this other thing and then if the stars align everything connects nicely versus like i don't know let's take what um like reveals sort of product like where they had their own way of uh, hooking into xcode's build system and then you know now xcode has its own view hierarchy debugging that works really great and it's seamlessly integrated in there you know i don't have to worry about like oh do i have this extra weird cocoa pod thing do i have this build script going on um just one of those like developer nice I think would be really good. Well, one thing that would be kind of cool is following up on last year's big improvements on the whole Git integration would be a visual Git tool where you could something like Git K. I don't know if you've ever used that, which is a, a tool that shows all your branches with colored lines. Actually, I think GitHub has something similar to this as well, that it, it, it shows lines connecting paths through branches. So you can see where branches came in and you know every where every commit comes in and what commit is in a certain branch and in a different one. So you can really see how the different branches flow into each other and diverge from each other. Hmm. That's something that they can do pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah. And there are lots of apps like source tree and yeah. Git tower and things like that, that do it kind of, yeah, do yeah, that kind of thing already. So that would it's, just yeah, it's, into it's, the fold. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it is a solved problem, I think. And they just need to, to put a nice UI in front of it and build it in. That would be kind of nice. Can you interactively stage commits in Xcode? You know, if you have like 
like 10 changes, but you only want to stage five of the lines and five lines over like here. Like a hunks? No, file. no, I don't think you, you can. You can't do that in Xcode, right? Like I've done that on the no, command line. And no, you, you can, can do, do it in, file by in file. source tree. You can choose within the command. Yeah. You can select which files you want to commit, but, but not within a file. Okay. No. So that, that would right. And there's no cherry so picking. I still use Git K for that, Mark, when you mentioned it. That's what okay, I use it yeah, for pretty yeah, much. Yeah. Yeah. Also, rebasing support, cherry picking support, all the stuff would be kind of useful. Wow. A, a visual, a visual uh, cherry picker, cherry picking GUI would be kind of nice. Mm-hmm. It would be really good if they were to set that up this year because you can imagine that that either this same year or next year they would then have the tools in place to do like an upgraded version of Swift Playgrounds on iPad where you can imagine like your visual uh, Git handling sort of idea. It's like, well, that seems like it would play really well with drag and drop on iPad, wouldn't it? I mean, that would be rather fun where if you had your, your Playgrounds like, well, he was a version one, but here's like this next idea I have. And no, that didn't work out too good. Let me, let me take changes from this other feature and have it seamlessly sort of, you know, linked into the like iCloud, presumably to store these files for your project. That might be something. More refactoring. I'm just looking at my last, my article from last year about what was new. So we had Xcode 9, Swift 4, there were improvements in Swift 4, CoreML, ARKit. Um, there was a bunch of things what's new in Swift, but we can sort of f- surmise from what's going on in, in the open source stuff that's coming in that, right? Um, they added some stuff to I'm surprised the new version of Xcode didn't include the next version of Swift. I wonder if they're, yeah, yeah it was just a little weird. I was kind of, I thought it would. You mean 931? Uh, no, Xcode 9.4 came out, but still using Swift oh. 4.1, and they didn't release Swift 4.2. So I was thinking that they would do it. Like, usually, I don't know about usually, but, you know, I was like, oh, the last Xcode 9, sort of right before DubDub, they would probably bring in Swift 4.2, and then they can sort of start on Swift 5, but they didn't. So I wonder what's going on there. Interesting. A lot of my apps that are, you know, we had all those breaking changes between 2 and 3, I believe, right? Um, but uh, lately, you know, upgrading the upgrade path from various flavors of 3 to 4, or f- actually 4, have been pretty pretty seamless, right? Not a lot of changes. Yeah, they've been, pre- they've, they've been pretty good about the source compatibility promises, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So last year we had CoreML, which is new, I believe, right? And um, they also introduced the new animations in, in UI oh, yeah. yeah. last year. Yeah, the pause and continue, and that kind of stuff we talked about before. Um, Care Kit and Research Kit. Now, you guys were just, did you guys sign up for that heart thing on, on Research Kit? I never did. I do. And uh, presumably it is seamlessly adding my data to uh, the research project. Cool. And the, and the other new one was Vision Framework, which came along with CoreML, right? Mm-hmm. Which was what was improved last year or introduced last they year. They also had drag and drop. That was a big one. Uh, mm. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about that after all this time? Have you guys used any drag and drop stuff in any of your apps? Nope. I have not done it at all. Other than no. the stuff I've I mean, it, written my own from on my own. Um, right. You know, it's only iPad, so it was kind of limited, right? I mean, for the most part. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of 3D touch stuff and dragging around on, on iOS 11 on the phones. Mm. And debugging in Xcode was another big session last year that uh, caught my eye anyway. They, you know, the view debugger got better and the memory graph debugger, as you've yeah, already mentioned. Yeah, memory graph debugger is <laughs> really good. Wireless debugging um, on device. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Right. Yeah. 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 How about um, how about a dark mode? It, it seems like that one is close to being real for the, the system or for Xcode. Well, in this case, yeah, like it'd be for wide. Mac. Yeah, Mac OS. But you could imagine that uh, you'd be able to do the same for iOS as well. So, what about continuous integration? We've talked about Buddy Build on the show before, and we know that they've acquired them six eight months ago. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, What do you think about uh, something from Apple in that sense? It is a year later, and you get, yeah, you guys mentioned last week also the workflow. I think you guys mentioned that last week as well. Right. There yep. are. Uh, yep. mm-hmm. I think I saw a note about uh, job postings for Siri workflow jobs. That seems like there's some sort of integration oh, really? going between those two teams. Yeah, mm. yeah. If you look on the jobs page, I'll put the link here in the show notes. If you'd like to apply for it, there's a Siri iOS engineer for workflow. Um, so it seems like cool. 
that's where it's going in. So maybe in true Apple style, it's not going to be like reform, write your own skills like Jaime wants, but it could be like, here are some building blocks that we can put together for you with Siri. So it's kind of an inter- interesting combination of uh, workflow, which I think is still out in the store and you can still make your own workflows with it, but then having voice control in front of that, that's kind of an interesting combination. Um, yeah. But Buddy Build, yeah. Is this going to replace the whole Xcode bots CI thing? Are they going to have their own hosted service? Interesting. Uh, yeah. Official from Apple? Yeah. Do you know anyone who's ever used the Xcode bots? Yeah, a few people. Yeah. I think I've, I've people who've tried around it. and I know one. Yeah. Sorry, what was that, Jaime? I've known people who've tried it, but I don't think I know anybody who ever seriously used it. Not to say that there aren't people, but it seemed like right. it was uh, problematic enough that people were like, whatever, just use Jenkins. Nobody likes Jenkins, but it works <laughs> once you yeah, beat it yeah. into the ground. Yeah. yeah, speaking to somebody the other day who said they used the bots, but I was surprised. Well, so if they did something with Buddy Build, it would work really nicely with this um, cloud functions thing that we were talking about for HomePod integration, where you know you, you use your uh, visual debugging, or your visual, sorry, visual Git within Xcode, you you know push to your remote, and then the uh, Buddy Build system just sort of seamlessly says, hey, there's a new commit there. I better do another uh, build, so that way I can run tests and deploy and make sure that everything is as working as it should. Maybe they'll come up with Xcode bots for the HomePod. No? Tell me more. I didn't I didn't get what that would be. <laughs> <laughs> An Xcode bot you could run on your HomePod that you spent all that money on. <laughs> and it would compile your code for you. Right, right. You know? Or maybe you could uh, maybe you could transcribe or uh, yeah, you, it would transcribe code that you're speaking to it. You talk at types sort of thing, like Dragon naturally speaking. It reads out the logs in your your when it does the O files as it's building, right? So you know it's doing something. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that that little bit of feedback would be good because my my heart always you know skips a beat when it does something weird. You know, we're like, all right, I know my project is still building, I think, but I don't really know until I start seeing the build um, the build files like being counted down of like you know one of three hundred, right, two yeah. of three hundred. Like, okay, now it's actually doing stuff. Before that, it's just making the MacBook Pro run really hot and with its fan at full blast. All right, well, I think we better put this um, prognostication to bed. What do you, so what what do we end up with here? We come I up need with anything? one big prediction from everybody so that we can follow up next week. One big prediction. Okay. I'm not going to go first. <laughs> Mark, put you on the spot since you always want to go first these days. What's the one thing and then we can uh, follow up next week? Does that True or false? A serious one? <laughs> um, uh, okay. Semi-serious. Give it like, like a P- P50 goal. Fifty. Per- there should be like a 50% chance of it coming true. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go with my with my Git one that there'll be big improvements to Xcode and Git integration in Xcode leveraging what they had last year uh also uh more with interface builder and real-time viewing of what's in interface builder or, or what you actually see uh in your real app you know seeing that in interface builder like they've started to do with ib designable and all that kind of stuff uh oh 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 here's here's one here's one that we didn't mention more size classes <laughs> you mentioned that last week didn't you i've been mark saying this for a year now <laughs> all right i think this should be mark's one yeah, big one more more size classes. More that size sounds classes. doable. We need right, I'll go more with size classes. <laughs> <laughs> we've only got uh, we've we've got the size classes that we have today were 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 produced with the idea of there's an iPhone and there's an iPad and that's it. But we've we've got more than that now. And the the power the power of size classes is is enormous, but it's limited by the fact that the same size class applies to too many types of devices on the iPhone. So that's my prediction. More size classes. All right. 
right. I like it. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to go out on a limb here. So um, we haven't talked about gaming, which seems to yeah. be something that yeah. they always sort of go after, right? So I'm going to think of some type of gaming framework. Like, like we have AR kit, right? But there's going to be like a gameplay AR kit kind of thing where you can, rather than just building a five-minute, you know, AR demo that everybody kind of goes as cool on, on um, Twitter and then forgets about it, some sort of thing where you can actually build an AR gaming thing, you know, whether it's uh, players that run it on the board or whatever, just going to make it easy for people. Like a Pokemon Go kit? Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, not, not, yeah, something like that. Something like that, but but with maybe three or four other things. They always come up with this new, you know, they, they came up with all the AI stuff for gaming last year, two years ago. Um, they've added to it. They added some more last year. We didn't talk about it much in, in last year's show, but um, they always seem to have something to do with gaming. So I think that's, because I mean, if you look at their, look at the, the, the apps that are selling, it's, it's games, yeah. right? That uh, seems to, to dominate the top of the charts, right? So yeah. how about a loot box kit and a, a, a going with my Xcode 3D theme, uh, a 3D interface builder. Well, okay. A, a combination between the scene kit editor, which lets you do basic 3D stuff and interface builder. So you can really build 3D experiences within Xcode. How about that? Well, you know, that ties into the logo that we're talking yeah, exactly. about too. The, exactly. The, yep. 3D yep. sort yep. of, you know, white environment, mm-hmm. right? White box. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the Johnny Ive kit. <laughs> All right, Jaime, how about you? I'm going to go rogue on this one and say something that we, we didn't talk about at all. Well, I guess we talked about it briefly uh, for the platform, but I'm going to go with third-party watch faces on the Apple Watch because they got to say something about watchOS 5 other than, hey, it exists. All right, okay, thanks, bye. Let's talk about Siri now. Yeah. <laughs> it measures your lifespan or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> again, it's so weird how um, this has sort of gone sort of full circle. It, like, when the Apple Watch came out, people were just like so dramatically angry like why can't we do third party watch faces oh this is terrible oh there's there's such a limit in the watch faces we can do to now the narrative has sort of changed of like no third party watch faces are a dumb idea this is bad they'll just be like a bazillion ones that try to fake Rolex or Timex or whatever else might be out there and we shouldn't have it and it, it makes the watch unclean and filthy so I, I think it's sort of on that loop where it's like yeah it's going to come back around to oh my gosh this is so great like I am able to personalize my watch and the watch is wearable you are on your person and you should be personable. I think that's what's going to happen. I, I, I wonder about that. I, I kind of wonder if, if if the watch has settled into what I honestly think was the original intention that this was just going to be an Apple produced product and 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 Apple would provide a few apps for it and and the whole third party app idea was sort of sort of an afterthought to the to the watch. In well, I guess in the same way that it was originally for the phone, but that mm-hmm. turned out differently. Uh, <laughs> But it, but in the case of the watch, it kind of seems like that's really what what it evolved into. Is, is you know, I mean, are, are are a lot of people really doing a lot of watch apps? Not not so much, anymore, right? Uh, and and but nobody, like notifications it, and complications, and I think third party watch faces could could be it though, because it's not apps, but it's like the side stuff, right? And I think third party watch yeah. faces are one of those things that people would. And are, we're really on Watch OS five, is that right? That's what the version that we're up to. So it feels yeah, like yeah. they do need uh, something. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. The, that's what Jaime said, right? I'm not a watch user anymore. I have to double check. I'm pretty sure I'm on watchOS 4, but even I would have okay. to check because I don't I don't normally have to think about it. And I think for me, probably a big reason they didn't do it up front was probably because they were worried about some rogue watch face that, oh my God, like, it, look, it's got this bug and it just drains battery like nobody's business, right? They needed something that was successful and, and didn't drain. And even then people complained mm-hmm. mightily about like, oh, I don't get the great battery life. But now with, um, certainly with the, 
Apple Watch Series 3, they get really good battery life, or at least good enough, depending on your opinions. So you can imagine that now it's like, all right, they've they've had enough data to figure out how they can tune things. They've had enough time to think about how can they set the boundaries for this little like sandbox or the third-party watches faces to deal with so that they're respectful of the user and they're not, you know, draining the battery or causing undue harm to the watch, you know, that sort of thing. So I, I think it's uh, it's about time, as, as we made a pun about earlier, right? Yeah. And real-time follow-up, I am on watchOS uh, 4.3.1. Okay, so there's five. How about tvOS? We haven't talked about that at all. Any thoughts on that? Hmm. I don't have a tvOS, so I don't know. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, do you want to do you want to change your, your pick from more size classes to uh, something tvOS related? Uh, I have or no is... idea what it would be, though. That's the problem, so I can't. tvOS, it's coming out. Okay, thanks, bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I'm going to stick with my Xcode X theme here. Completely redesign Xcode. What does that mean? Lots of features, but the one I'm going to point out is uh, on the road of, I guess, what you guys have been saying about like storyboards and showing more previews. I'm going to go with Xcode X, completely redesign thing with hot reloading is my thing that I'm going to point out here. So I'm gonna, I think iOS 12 is going to introduce something or the SDK or iOS itself will have something and we'll get some first steps of hot reloading. So faster development cycle, something about that. That's what I'm going to go with as uh, what we're going to get. Ooh, that's an interesting one. So you're you're going on the, we need to do something to fight the um, the big area of improvement that people are seeking when they try to go with a React Native or a Flutter or yeah. you know, any other of those like, wow, like I don't have to well, kill the simulator, make a yeah. code change, fire up the simulator, navigate all the way back to that stupid spot on the app and just watch I, I me feel like someday move my, we're my label two pixels yeah. to the left. We got IB Designable, IB Inspectable, we got wireless debugging, and so it's like the slow march of like, what are the annoying things that developers have to deal with? And I think this is it. One of the, you know, fast iteration. We have like playgrounds that can do it like not super fast, but you know, if you do view coding in playgrounds, you can kind of do that. But um, yeah, hot reloading. I'm going to put that down. That's my thing. Cool. All right. Well, let's move on to our pickorama or picks for the show. So I made you a pick. Yeah, this is, uh, this is a pretty old article, I think. Oh, no, it's not that old. It's only from 2017. Um, just styled because it's on Red Hat Developer's website. It looks kind of older. I assumed it was from like five years ago. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, the content on here is very useful. So if you have a um, a hybrid app, uh, where in this case, uh, hybrid in some form means that you've got web content that could be something like, hey, we have a native app, but our you know terms of service for uh, the application or our help articles are hosted in a web view. And you're like, hmm, something's not right here. Something's going wrong. How do you deal with that? Well, you can, uh, you can use the information on this particular blog article from the folks at uh, Red Hat Developer. And you can actually use Safari to hook into that stuff, not only in the simulator, but they also show you how to do it on device. And it's pretty neat. Like you, you do have to go into Safari, uh, let's say like on your desktop and enable the um, show develop menu. So you can Developer, get yeah. those places. And then you also have to go onto your device if you're doing that. Um, simulator doesn't require anything, but the uh, actual devices, you have to go in and enable a web inspector switch. And then you run the project and you can see it show up in the menu. Uh, like in my case, I had an iPhone 10 simulator, an iPhone SE simulator, and an actual um, iPhone 7 device all in there. And I was checking to see how various things work. Um, in my particular case, I wanted to see how the local storage was working on the web view because it was doing something that we didn't expect. Uh, but there's other bits. You know, there's networking tools. You can check the resources, uh, network timelines. You have uh, what I assume is like a JavaScript debugger. Um, and then the consequence stuff. So, so kind of like taking the Safari web tools and making them available to help debug that part of your app. And that's what I was mentioning earlier about like, wow, it's great that Safari has this because I didn't even know that this existed. 
happened. Uh, I was glad to be able to find this article. Um, but uh, I, I would sure like to see this come into uh, Xcode itself and be its own tool that we can use rather than sort of jumping between two different things. That's my pick. Well, I like the other stuff that they got in there too is the um, the other part about debugging using tools. That's kind of interesting. Did, did you have a look and see what that was about? Or You mean the first link that says following the blog post series? Yeah, no, no, no. They've got the, the uh, d- desktop expo- developer tools explanations, networking, resources, timelines. Is that not part of the same article? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You, you're talking about the actual tools themselves within Safari's debugging capability? Yeah. No, no, no. no I'm not, not talking about in, in Safari. Like, they're talking... Oh, oh, is that what these are? Oh, okay. I see. Okay. Yeah, so, like, in my situation, um, I was working with the web developer. Yeah, and yeah. we were trying to ch- nail down this problem, like, hmm, that's really weird. How come on this device, it's having this problem, and on this other device, it's not? And, you know, we yeah, went through normal yeah. things, like, well, what version is the operating system? Well, hmm, uh, they're, you know, two good ones use different versions of the operating system. One's on iOS 11, one's on 10, and then the one that's problematic is on 11. It's like, well, okay, so it's not an operating system. All right, let's go in, let's, you know, see what's going on here. And we were able to manipulate the uh, local storage within the web view. So this is like a like an HTML5 sort of thing. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And no, like I was talking about the stuff the in, the, in the article. In the article, he talks about using, you know, back in Xcode, looking at timelines, looking at the debugger with with an explanation of, of how to use these, you know, putting breakpoints in which we know how to do, but maybe there may be some listeners at home who don't, driving at home, I should say, um, looking at storage as well as the console. Interesting. Yeah, cool stuff. Cool stuff. Right. Yeah, we did some, we had to use this last year as well um, for some projects. Um, okay, so my pick is, sorry, Greg, my pick is uh, an app called Beacon, which was written by, uh, I believe it's written by Ashley Nelson Horstein, who was, she did a keynote somewhere I was at. Was it 360 iDev two years ago, perhaps? Or at NS North, possibly? Or three, may, maybe NS North. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that, maybe the year you came to to Chateau Montebello. Well, I don't, I don't know that it was a keynote, but there was a session she did on the intersection between humanities and technology. Yes, right, right. Anyway, so the, uh, Sarush at uh, 360iDev last year told me about this app or told us about the app called Beacon. And it's kind of a get-together, you know, impromptu ad hoc meetup kind of tool. Um, and, and I've had it on my phone and I noticed that a few events uh, are popping up around um, WWDC. Like if I, wanted to ha- if I wanted to go there and meet for somebody for coffee, I could create a, a Beacon and then basically sends it out through notifications to other people running the app and they can decide to join me and you can do you can do private meetups or you can do public ones um and as i said before like let me look at my phone here um sorry search for beacon you, have you heard of this app before any of you guys yeah uh, i have used it before yeah yeah so there's upcoming there's a wwdc friends uh, of course the sj mac indie which is the uh the i guess the new version which is used to be fsf mac indie that kicks off on sunday and people are rsvping already um curtis herbert is doing a, a w WDC run on Monday. He's also doing one on Tuesday. Uh, the Fatal Error live show, that's Sarusha's post here, and that's happening on June 6th. It says 12.30 a.m., so I can't imagine that's the right time. Probably 9.30 p.m., I guess, right? No, I'm not sure. But there, I guess yeah, there's a live right. uh, that's right. live podcast. Um, this is this friend of ours from um, RW, or, or Ray Wunderlich, um, is Freak4PC on uh, on Twitter, I guess, but Shai Michali, do you know him? Uh, I know him, like, online. I've never met him, though. Yeah. Yeah, so he's he's got a WDC lineup party coming. Another run with Curtis Herbert, and and so Curtis Herbert is doing a run every day of the week when you're down there in uh, San Jose. So check that out, and and you know you can basically um, just say I'm in, and and you're 
added to the list or whatever. Uh, so it's kind of a, it's sort of a you know, impromptu event, right? Kind of thing, I guess, um, for people who want to get together and on Beacon and you can, you know, communicate with through people through there. So that's my pick of the week and link in the show notes. I'll admit one thing I don't like about that app is you have to sign in with Twitter and it wants right access to your Twitter. And I'm like super paranoid about oh, really? giving apps oh. right. Cause you know, you create an event and it tweets it out for you, but I don't really like that. I wish you could uh, just do right. read only. And if I want to tweet it, I'll tweet it myself. I mean, not that I don't trust them and they're going to do anything mean or anything like that. I just don't like the idea of giving apps right access to log in. So sure, I sure. could have sworn that I've used the app before, but uh, I downloaded it again and it was uh, the permission thing came up. I was like, ah, I'm going to skip it. So, but yeah, I I have used it in the past and it was it was very good to find out not just for dub dub but you can use it like throughout the year in your daily life yeah uh, sure and just a bit of a follow-up here too Ashley uh, Nelson Horstein was also in that movie that I talked about last week called the app dev store app the human story I, I actually downloaded it and watched it um, ish you know in front of the show ish is in there as well he's one of the one of the case studies in there they talk about panic which we've talked about on the show before where you know panic was a Mac uh, publisher Mac app publisher who went into iOS and they've now found that you know after indie indie apocalypse um it's not really feasible for them to to carry on with things marco armitz interviewed in there john gruber it's quite an interesting um, movie if you if you want to check it out on uh, basically it's the history of app development since the introduction of the iphone and to where we kind of sort of are today um and sort of the challenges that we've talked about of course on this show things like you know no chargeable app upgrades or um um, what's the other one uh no trial versions but i think they have trial versions now but those kind of challenges and how they affected um, the development app. So if you're interested in the history of app development and you're new to the game and you're wondering what we're going on about, uh, definitely uh, throw down 15 bucks and download this uh, video and check it out. So Greg, do you have a pick? I do have a pick. I tweeted something out earlier this week, maybe a couple days ago, I don't remember anymore, about uh, quality of service classes when you're setting up your own dispatch queue. So our friend uh, and former uh, guest host, Marin Todorov, had posted something about uh, if you're using using quality of if you set up your own queue and you make it a background you probably want utility or something like that and i remembered something similar from the docs because if you use background which is the lowest quality of service you can give a dispatch queue then it actually it's possible that it will never run if there's like low power mode and other conditions as well Mm. um so probably i think the advice i'd heard from somewhere was like you probably never want background as Marin said you probably never want background you want utility as like the lowest um actual usable thing so i tweeted something out about that and i had a link to one of the pages in the Apple Docs called Prioritize Work with Quality of Service Classes, which is in the Energy Efficiency Guide for iOS apps. And they describe what each quality of service is. There's four of them, I guess technically five. There's one called Default, which you sort of shouldn't use, but there's four of them that you can see um, if you're creating your own dispatch queue, which one should you target? Or I shouldn't say target. Which one should you set? What kind of quality of service class should you set on it? So it's just uh, listing out what kind of work, how long you think it should take, which class it should be in, whether you expect the user expects something right away, whether it's like a background like backups or whatever and how to categorize that properly with the little note it's in an important box on the website but it's like in tiny tiny print and it says that background operations including networking are paused when low power mode is enabled so just to be careful about Mm. about that so if you um, are still using the global queue i think they used to be called high priority low medium or whatever um, you in the modern era you're supposed to be using these quality of service classes so check out this documentation if you uh, haven't if you don't know about quality of service or if you want to move some old code old code over or something like that then uh, check it out because everybody likes having lots of battery life so it's something that's important <laughs> for us in the uh, in the mobile world yeah, for sure all right that's it i guess that's it until wwc actually arrives Woo-hoo. um so <laughs> hey mark if people want to get 
in touch with you. How do they do that? They should find me at WWDC. All right. Oh, in uh, person. <laughs> yeah. They'll give you that, a T-shirt. Uh, I'll, I'll, if, if you're one of the first few people that find me, I'll give you a T-shirt. Oh, Tim, I don't have any t- uh, stickers. If you can send me some, that would be good. Well, uh, in time. It's probably too late. Never mind. Yeah, no, I, I, have, I have a few. Limited supply. I have some stickers. I'll bring, See, I'll I knew there was a reason why I gave Craig Greg stickers. Yeah. Yep, yep. Okay. Cool. But yeah. uh, otherwise, Mark R at smapsoft.com is a good way to find me. All right. And uh, Jaime, if people want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? I'm on Twitter as at Dev with the Hair. And Greg, if people want to get a hold of you, how do they do that? You'll be at WWDC. WWDC. I'll also be at AltConf doing a couple of things there. So, yes, absolutely come and find me and say hello. I'll have some stickers. Uh, Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter as at Greg Keo. Oh, yeah, and send selfies if you find these guys. We have selfies for our Facebook page. Oh, that's right. It's been a while. When was the last selfie that you posted? We posted the one with Jonathan and Xavier, just as a matter of fact. Uh, With the T-shirts, that's right. And I think uh, I didn't get a full, you know, smiley face um, selfie from Jaime. He said he owes me one. He sent a picture of the shirt on 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 his torso, but... Uh, yeah, it's kind of <laughs> decapitated there. Yeah, and just, just to clarify for people, and... um, that would be selfies where Mark and Greg know that they are in the selfie. Please don't do a <laughs> selfie of yourself with them in the background as a candid. They're like scarfing down breakfast burritos or something. Hey, no, we're, we're, we're not proud. We'll take any selfie you want to send us. <laughs> <laughs> Tim's not picky with what he posts on the Facebook page. So yeah, if you're in the stall, you know, at the urinal, you know, <laughs> feel yeah. free to. Yeah, <laughs> If I see somebody with a MTJC T-shirt I, or a, a MTJC sticker on their computer, I will take a stealth selfie with them. Sure, all right. And don't in. forget, like if you if you get a black eye from one of these two guys, you know, send us a selfie of that too. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, well, my name is Tim Mitra, T I M M I T R A. I am not going to be at WWDC, but I will be watching the keynote and the platform State of the Union and all the rest of the videos that I can consume in the next week, which will be crazy. Um, yeah. So until uh, till yeah next week when we'll be having our show which will be dissecting the platform state of the union and at least the uh the keynote um and scoring on our predictions scoring on predictions and and probably by then we'll also have uh the apple design awards i think happens on tuesday night as well right so we record on wednesdays so whatever is in the hopper by then we will be chatting about it mm-hmm. so wednesday so, at six fifteen are these get-togethers we were just talking about so right. how are we going to oh. record then we'll have to well i think you you're, you you've got a you've got a buy for next week, right? So so if you don't want oh, to if, you, okay. if you're not available, we'd like it if Greg could join us. But if you can't, you know, ping me. Why does Mark in. get a buy and I don't get one? Yeah. Well, you, I just I'm just telling you, you get a buy if you want one, right? But oh, uh, okay. Yeah, Mark will be busy eating burritos and having people buy him beer. So I'm going to be busy with burritos and well, beers. Well, then too. fine, do about? that. You go crazy. We'll get <laughs> Marin or someone. We'll wake him up. Greg, and, I'll uh, buy you a beer if you buy me a beer. Mm, <laughs> I'll buy you a burrito if you buy me a beer. Great. <laughs> well, at least you're fed for one day. Hmm. Well, we get lunches. That's you know. true. That's an, one evening. Lunches. Okay. Yeah. No, you guys are being crazy having fun. Whatever. Um, yeah. So until next week, we'll talk to you later. Bye. 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 This concludes another intriguing, insightful, and inquisitive episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. I'm friend of the show and sometimes host, Greg Heo. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskMTJC. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash mtjc. 
You can find all the details on how to help us out on our website. That's mtjc.fm slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time, eh? Yeah, next week is going to be the the Tim and Jaime show. <laughs> well, it, it was supposed to be it was supposed to be uh, Tammy tonight too to give her, her curmud- the curmudgeon perspective, right? But uh, hopefully Where she'll be she? she'll be available next week. Huh? Where was she tonight? Oh, she she's under the weather. Yeah. Hmm. Well, hopefully they will have the uh, gameplay AR kit because I'm sure she'll have a pretty good opinion on that. Given oh, that's true. A lot of the yeah, gameplay yeah. stuff she does. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that AR kit by Tutorials. Who uh, who was on that team? Uh, Tim, do you know offhand? Um, she actually was, I believe, if not on the team she was the tech editor or at least well, yeah, what's the okay. other one that came out today the machine one right metal by tutorials also was metal announced. Yeah, machine, i don't think metal, it's done actually. but it was announced at least Someone oh it's not done yet okay uh, I, I don't know actually i don't i, I don't know uh no it's metal by it. tutorials it's on the site so is it ready to go yeah you can, no it's I can, an estimated I can download it release date fall 2018 maybe they have like a beta but it says fall oh okay well it should be, oh Car- that was carolyn begby and um marius horga must be a new person AR kit is then, Chris Language, Namrata, Antonio Bello, and Tammy. Tammy, an author? Yeah. Tammy was Namrata author, from too. Canada, you must say. You know, don't forget that. <laughs> from Canada, yeah. She, lives around, she works around the corner from me. Oh, and there's the pick again. I had a pick. Cool. Well, this so, is yeah, the AR kit book, it looks like it's <laughs> done and available. And then the metal one is later this year. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, Chris Language, Namrata, Antonio Bello, and Tammy Coron. Hmm. Yeah, of course, Tammy. Tammy's into the gaming stuff. Coolio. Well, it's AR. I wonder if it's game. Uh, well, actually, they actually list all the sample projects, so some of them are game-like. Yeah, Poker Dice, Sci-Fi Portal, Monster Truck Sim. Well, they, yeah, the Monster Truck Sim, they, they, Chris and, uh, and Tammy built um, last year, right? But I guess they're showing yeah, how to build Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Cool. That's cool. Cool. So, Greg, where are you staying this year? Uh, down in San Jose, there's a Airbnb, uh, uh-huh. 7th and uh, North James, I think. So it's a, maybe a 15-minute oh, walk. That's pretty convenient. Yeah, that's not yeah, too bad. Yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah. I guess yep. the convention center is effectively like first street right so we're on seventh so it's not too bad yeah and st james is yeah it's a little bit north a couple blocks north uh, i think two or three blocks center. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Yep. Not so, too, bad. Not too bad i think i looked google maps said it was 20 30 i forget but i think it was a mile so i can walk a mile in about 15 minutes i think it's about 15 minutes you could you can actually probably take light rail if you wanted to does it go it that way i thought it goes north it, it, it doesn't go does. out it, to seven does it uh like i need to walk to second and then take it like one stop right yeah you're right you're right it's so it does it does go to St. James, but you're right. It is more like second. So by mm. the time you're there, you're halfway Might there. Might as well just walk. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah, a pretty short sure. walk, and I'm sure the weather will be nice, so I'll be okay. Yep. So, Greg, Greg, you were there last year. What was your experience of San Jose compared to you, things in San Francisco? You haven't been to WWDC before, but you were at uh, you were there last year for WWDC, right? Yeah. What was so, your sorry, what was my experience San, with, oh, San Francisco uh, and I, the events and stuff like that? Yeah, there were fewer parties. I know the, uh, the gentleman who works in the parties app said that 
that this might be the last year because there just aren't as many, which is really? kind of too bad. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you look at the app, the WWC Run you mentioned, I guess that's uh, Curtis Herbert. Let me just yeah, open the yeah. app. So there's SJ Mac Indy, there's the Daily Run, there's some live podcasts, Night of Dim Sum, the Loot Bash, Firebase Party, but then that's about it. Like, it's very... No big dirt Monday has bash or whatever. Five, like, there's one, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen things, which is, you know, for a whole week. I think in San Francisco, there were probably like five, six, seven things per day, and this is 15 for the whole week. Um, so he was just saying, oh, wow, yeah. we need a separate app anymore, which is kind of sad. Uh, I did notice last year, I think every event I went to was at the same venue. Uh, so I was at that one oh, place really? like every day. Yeah, huh. you know, just by chance, I guess that was what I happened to sign up for. Um, I didn't really wander around in the area. I think everything, well, there's that one place I went to a lot, and then, you know, just coffee shops and other random bars around, but it was probably like a three, four block radius, and I didn't leave. Pretty much centered around the conference center, just east of there, and all of the right, places right. that we went to were around. So I didn't really see much of the city. I saw a lot of the downtown e area, I guess. Um, but yeah, it was it was okay. There's enough coffee shops and bars and whatever to go and hang out at. And I think the convention center is a lot bigger than Moscone West. So you get more space, which I guess is good. Um, but yeah, you kind of miss the more, uh, I don't know, how would you describe San Francisco versus San Jose? I don't know what the word is. Cosmopolitan? I don't know. There's Cosmopolitan. Stuff that was the word yeah, I was going to use. A little Cosmopolitan. more stuff to do. Yeah, yeah, a little more stuff to do in San Francisco. So I, I guess I well, it's more that, touristy, right? So yeah, yeah. I think people, yeah, you hear people say, oh, "I'm going to go to San Francisco on vacation and spend a couple of days yeah. there," but I don't think you hear as many people say, "Oh, San Jose, there's a destination. I want to go there and spend two or three days there." I don't think you hear that, hear that yeah. as much, which is kind of there's a song about too bad. it. Mm, yeah, but I mean, I live in you, San Francisco, so I don't really care about you know. Oh my God, I got to go see the Golden Gate Bridge. Like, yeah, I've already, you know, I'm okay with that. But maybe for people traveling <laughs> in, it's a little, little more of a letdown, maybe. But um, yeah, I stayed within a pretty close radius to the convention center last year all the events so that's fine there's enough stuff to do and i'm not like you know i need to go to five places a night and have you know 100 drinks like i don't that's not really my thing so i don't really care as much you limit yourself to 95 drinks a night yeah yeah, yeah. gotta you know gotta stay healthy right take it easy. yeah 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 I, I would never in a million years claim that san jose is anywhere close to as fun as, as san francisco uh for me it's much more convenient because i live down here so i'm i'm actually quite <laughs> happy that wwc is down here but mm-hmm. but the you know taking the commute out of the out of the calculation so if i were flying in to go to wc i would absolutely prefer to be in san francisco no doubt mm. i don't think the cheaper hotel prices have really panned out either right i don't know who said that but i remember last year they're like uh, oh there's so many more hotels they'll be cheaper i'm like i don't yeah, yeah. think so Wh- but, whoever yeah. said that was not from here <laughs> okay <laughs> okay. Uh, I remember that was listed as one of the benefits. I was like, maybe yeah. there are more hotels. And yeah. I guess it's possible, but I don't think yeah. that's not how pricing works, if that's what you think. Uh, yeah. Not quite how. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah. For what me, kind of advice do you have do. for people getting around, like getting to San Francisco or getting to San Jose, getting around San Jose? What would you suggest? I'd say don't be afraid to fly into San Jose. Maybe there aren't as many flights, but the airport is very close. Um, San Francisco airport is should, yeah. not far, but it's, you know, how much would an Uber be, Mark, from... SFO down to San Jose, so like bucks. almost a hundred dollars. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and from San Jose, Caltrain or something is fifteen bucks. You yeah, should it's absolutely hundred percent. If it's at all possible, fly into SJC instead of SFO. If you're going to WPC. Yeah, I think by now it's a little late for too people late. To be yeah, I know it's too late yeah. by now, but that's true. But, but if you're planning for next year, yeah, it's it's a thousand times better <laughs> to fly into San Jose <laughs> if you're going to downtown San Jose because yeah. it's literally a, a a five to ten minute cab ride into into downtown San Jose. Yeah, or, I guess or, for folks 
folks flying internationally, there probably aren't as many international flights into San Jose, and you maybe have there to fly are not to as San many, Francisco. But, but there yeah. certainly are international flights. In, it mm-hmm. is a, it is a reasonably big airport, but you're right, there aren't as many into, into as, as into yeah. as well, for sure. For getting yeah. around San Jose itself, uh, I guess it depends on where you're staying. Hopefully, you're staying somewhere close by. But you know, the light rail goes around. But everything I found last year was in walking distance. Again, all of the parties, all the events, the few parties that there are. If you have the parties app, they're all pretty close by. You can walk everywhere. And the weather, if you're used to San Francisco weather, where you're like, oh my God, it's like winter here because it's June in San Francisco. Of course, it's cold, especially in the evening. San Jose is, I guess it could still be like a little chilly, but it's not as bad because it is I yeah. don't know, a lot further south. The mountains are far. I don't know. What, whatever the reason is, it's not quite as foggy and whatnot. So the weather is a lot nicer, but um, everything is pretty walkable. So I wouldn't really worry about that too much. Again, depending on where you're staying. But if you're at the convention yeah, center well, and there's something going on, you'll be yeah. able to walk there, I think. Once you're downtown, you can walk everywhere downtown. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the one difference with San Jose is that it is much more, the city itself is much more spread out. Mm-hmm. So if you're staying in a ho- in just some random hotel in San Jose, you might be 10 miles away from downtown, in which case you need to take a, uh, either take an Uber or, or a cab to get into downtown San Jose, unless you happen to be on light rail, which is not super likely, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> if you are, then it's, then it's easy, but, but light rail only goes to certain places, uh, mm. which is a little, little bit unfortunate. Yeah. But once you're downtown, it's really easy to get around. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, like the official party is like literally two blocks away, and uh, yeah, everything in the party app is nearby, so you'll be uh, you'll be okay. You won't get lost or anything. So, how about things like cell service and and Wi-Fi for people like if they're coming from other countries and they're roaming, data roaming, whatever? What's the services like down there? I know T-Mobile has a really good uh, visitor. You know, you're a foreigner, you're visiting for a week. They have a really good. I don't know if it's really good, but they have a decent plan. I think so. You can get one of those SIM cards. I don't know about the other providers, to be honest, but I know T-Mobile is pretty good about that kind of thing, maybe because they're like T-Mobile, the German connection or something like that. Um, if you're at the... I saw someone's posted like, hey, bring, don't forget to bring your Ethernet adapter, which I guess you could. But last year in the big room uh, at WWDC, they had a room with a whole bunch of tables where you could sit and they had like each table had like a lot, like 20 either USB-C or Thunderbolt 2 connectors with Ethernet already plugged in, like wrapped up so like you couldn't steal the cable. And then you just sat there and you plugged in and then you can you were on fast ethernet you could download xcode and all of the ios betas and whatnot um, so i don't think you need to bring your own adapter because it's not like they have ethernet drops just running around but they did have them set up so you could plug in and download stuff um, so i don't think you need to bring your yeah, own they have that you could, just year. in case yep. but yeah that's that's pretty handy um yeah wi-fi well, what about when you're wi-fi? wandering around like is what about public like do restaurants and bars and stuff like that have wi-fi for people if they want to you know they're out and about i don't know mark what's your experience with places in san jose as as much as anywhere else certainly as as much as San Francisco. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you can always find a Starbucks. What about the weather? Like, what should people be packing in their suitcases and stuff? Mind again, it's probably too late. It's (laughs) generally fairly warm. Uh, Past couple of days have been 75 to 80 degrees Fahrenheit here. Uh, Although it's possible that it'll get cool. I mean, we had a day last week where it dropped down to like, you know, mid 50s for one day. It was a little bit overcast. Uh, Chances of that, you know, go down the further we get. And, you know, so probably by next week, it'll... the chance of that will be pretty small. Actually, it looks the- pretty hot, actually. I'm looking at the forecast, and it's like 76 all the way up to a high of 86 on the Friday. So it looks like it's going to be hot. Yep. That's so, approaching yeah, 30 degrees be- Celsius for um, for those in the rest of the world. So, the low is still yeah, like so- 50 degrees, which is like, you know, tw- 10, 12 degrees or something. So the low is still pretty low, but it looks like the days are going to
going to be sunny and pretty hot. Well, so that's not pretty hot for here. Uh, that's that's kind of a reasonably moderately warm. Uh, it can get extremely hot, but usually not this time of year. If you came in August, it could be 95 degrees or 100 degrees. Mm. So uh, 75 to 80 is reasonable, is pretty comfortable, I would say. And it's it's usually fairly dry here. So it's it's not it's not super humid usually. Yeah, there's nothing about uh, nothing about rain. So right. I was gonna say for those of you doing the conversion in your head, 72 is equivalent of 21 degrees Celsius, so room temperature. So if you want to gauge it that way, mm-hmm. 72 degrees Fahrenheit is roughly 21, 20, 20 degrees. Let me switch to Celsius. Yeah, so the highs we're talking like 26, 27, and the lows like 13, 14. So not too bad. Yeah, as you pro- as you approach 26, as you approach around 30 degrees Celsius, as you probably know if you're from other parts of the country or the world, um, you're going to be pretty warm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Cool. It'll be fun. Come say hello. Got a t-shirt from Mark and a sticker from me. <laughs> For While sure. supplies last. Yeah. But I got to I gotta call it a night because uh, I have a few things to take care of. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll talk to you guys. I guess we'll be hearing from you as you wander around down there. Mm-hmm. Sounds Mark good. at home. Yep. All right. Thanks. All right. All right. Talk to you later. Thanks, guys. Bye. Okay, bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.